Welcome, Wildcats, to Weber State Weekly. I'm your host, the man who have, may have actually cried a little when the Big Sky made their announcement last week, Colby Peterson. On the pod today, a guy who sold his house just to get closer than two blocks to campus. We have with us Dustin Chapman. What's up? And a man who looks around daily and wonders if he's still employed, Mr. Brett Hine. Hello, gentlemen. It's good to be with you. We appreciate you coming on, Brett, and uh, we're looking forward to this. So on today's show, we're going to be talking a little bit about that, about the Big Sky bust, uh, how football has been pushed to the spring, and we will talk about how that happened, um, what that means for the fall, and also what that could mean for the spring and how it may look. Um, afterwards, uh, we're also going to be talking about, last time we did the show, we talked about the best of the worst, the worst uniforms or color schemes among Big Sky schools. And so we thought we'd go the other way this time. Talk about the best of the rest. Who are the top three color schemes or uniforms in the Big Sky, except for Weaver State, of course. That's obviously at the top. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we do, we just want to remind everyone to please subscribe to the show, whether you're getting this on Apple Podcasts, whether it's on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. We want to encourage you to subscribe. Please follow us on social media. We're on Facebook on Twitter, and also on Instagram. You can find us at Weber State Weekly. And be sure to tell your friends about us. If you have fellow Wildcats in your family or friends who are passionate about Weber State sports, please be willing to tell them about the show. We'd love to grow the community and get in more people's ears. Love to have our passion for Weber State sports shared with as many people in the community and beyond as we possibly can. So with that, let's talk big sky bust so as we said in the in the intro um it was announced on friday last week that the big sky conference has decided to postpone the football season this fall hoping for an opportunity to play in the spring so with that we we wanted to bring the uh, probably the, the person who knows the most about this out of anybody in the state we wanted to bring on standard examiner sports editor brett hein to talk about what this means how this all went down and gets so so Brett, uh, first question I wanted to ask was, can you talk a little bit about the timeline leading up to that announcement? How did this work? And, you know, who ultimately made this decision? And take us through that process up to that announcement on on um, Friday, August 7th, if, if you would. Yeah, so um, I guess the first thing that preceded it was, I think it was July uh, 27th or something like that. Uh, the big sky uh, met and decided to kind of delay the seasons for the other fall sports. Uh, you know, typically like uh, girl soccer, for example, I think their, their season opener was scheduled originally for like the 13th, August 13th or something like that. And they, they pushed most of the other fall sports back to September 18th, uh, trying to buy some time. So A lot of other includes- that includes uh, volleyball, women's volleyball, um, track and field as well as in that group. Is that right? Yeah, cross country, yeah. Cross country. Um, so they cross country, Weber State and in the Big Sky, that would be cross country, uh, volleyball, and soc- girls soccer. Because um, <clears throat> a lot of other conferences that already decided to delay their seasons and, and, uh, and all of that. So that was kind of the first time that anything had come out of the meetings. And the, the people who makes that who make those decisions are the presidents of the Big Sky schools, um, and that you know that might be common knowledge, might be not, uh, but 
the they call it the Big Sky calls it the President's Council, but it's just the president from every school in the Big Sky. So uh, when talking about football, that would include all of the football members, uh, including the football only members, Cal Poly and UC Davis. So um, I, I, it feels like a decade ago already that uh, time time does not uh, work like it normally does in the uh, during quarantine pandemic uh, madness, but. It was just last Thursday, just a few days ago, when all those reports started coming uh, from uh, Brett McMurphy and others that the Big Sky had voted to cancel their season. And I don't know if that was something that was lost in translation from their sources or uh, just uh, misreporting, because uh, as we know, there's a difference between canceling and postponing. Um, but that kind of just set off the whirlwind of people, you know, saying, "Oh crap!" You know, no, no Big Sky football. It's done. Uh, you know they've given up. Um, by the time that they, had, they the Big Sky announced what had been decided uh, it was Friday morning when the Big Sky pres- presidents voted to uh, postpone the season to the spring. And uh, Brad Mortensen, who's the president here at Weber State, um, he he told me a lot of really interesting things, some good insight onto why that was. And one of the big reasons was. Uh, he said there's a there was a school in the meeting where the president said like look I can't the on my campus I can't even get a test result back in less than two weeks mm. and so they kind of looked around and it was kind of like you know it, like there's no way they can put on a season when they can't test more rapidly than that. Um, and I think and I, in, in your article where you had interviewed uh, President Mortensen, you had talked about how the Big Sky requires 72 hours those tests need to be back in order to play a game. Wasn't that right? Yeah, that was uh, the NCAA put that out as kind of like these are the kind of general guidelines that we that are going to have to happen if we're going to be able to play uh, football. I, no, no, if that was, I think that was specific to football, but. Um, yeah, I mean, seventy. That was kind of the guideline: is seventy-two hours before a game, there need to be tests. So you know, sometime on like a Wednesday or something. Um, and I know Northern Colorado was not even practicing still. Um, you know, Weber State, the NCAA opened up kind of an extended fall camp because there was no spring camp. Um, and Weber State has been working out in small groups, uh, groups of, excuse me, groups of like ten to fifteen players. Uh, you know four or five, six groups, you know, doing conditioning sessions, uh, you know, uh, you know, offensive walkthroughs and things like that. Well, Northern Colorado hasn't done any of that. Um, they got shut down by their school quite a while ago and still hadn't come back. So it's just kind of a thing where, you know, the, the testing capabilities or incapabilities and, you know, some schools are still not even, you know, practicing as fall camp was supposed to open on Friday for a lot of people. Um, it just kind of seemed like <laughs> at the FCS level, especially with the the amount of money that these schools don't have, it just seemed like the writing was on the wall, that that was pretty much the only way they had to go. That No matter what they did, the fall season as scheduled was not going to work, especially as more and more conferences around the country and in FCS continue to pull out of the season uh, altogether. Um, it just uh, so now now everyone's shooting for spring and they hope to make that a reality. Yeah. And I think that, uh, like you said, Brett, because depending on where schools are at and, and the rules implied or the rules imposed upon them based on whether that's the school president or the state, uh, some 
schools were going to be at a disadvantage if the season were to continue as planned or as much as it could be. Uh, you know, like a school like Northern Colorado, who has not been a great school. They've got a new head coach this year. And so, and they haven't had the opportunity to practice at all. Huge disadvantage for them, whereas at least schools like Weber State had been able to do some camp. Uh, it would have been difficult, I think. So I wanted to um, bring Dustin Chapman in the conversation. And, and I know he's got a couple of questions for you, Brett. And something that's, uh, he wants to, he's, he's got burning questions that he wants to ask. Our uh, our favorite Weber State reporter, <laughs> burning. They're, they are they're hot takes. Well, so Brett, you've been all over this, and again, I, I I'll commend you just for the way you've handled this. You've had the beat on all the stories, and the coverage has been excellent. So I I appreciate it. It's it's good as a reader to know what's going on. Um, questions I have. So a lot of the FBS schools are are moving to spring as well now it looks like mountain west and, and the mac have so far have announced that uh is it is it more likely that the fcs schools play in the spring than the fbs or do you see it kind of on equal footing i mean what what is the likelihood of having spring football at, at either or both levels there's so many factors in that and uh i, I appreciate your your uh compliments and uh everything i'm glad glad to have a group of loyal readers for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, and now as we talk today, yeah, the day that we're recording, uh, there's all sorts of speculation about the PAC 12 and the big 10, uh, canceling their seasons. And now as we get deeper into the night, there's reports that, you know, they're going to wait. They're just going to kind of delay and maybe start their season super late when they, if people can finally come together and decide on uniform testing protocols and all sorts of things that, that people kind of need to be collaborating on instead of just waiting around and crossing their fingers. I, it depends on your, your opinion on if uh, the, the smaller FBS schools, the group of five, like the Mountain West, the MAC, the Sun Belt, how much they are tied to the Power Five conferences because they're in the same subdivision or if they aren't. I know the, the American Athletic Conference says they're going to try and they're going to play football in the fall. Sun Belt says they're playing in the fall, uh, whereas the Mountain West just today uh, postponed their all fall sports, um, and the MAC is out of the fall too. So I, I don't know how those uh, who I don't know who those teams are going to play in the spring in the FBS level, whereas in the FCS and the Big Sky said this Friday, uh, they are going to try and shift the entire the whole thing. To the spring um and uh president mortensen said that too in their in their meetings that those that, that was a very real thing that they were going to be active about and lobby and push for it to happen not just hope that other people join them is they at the missouri valley football conference and the colonial especially those are the other two big hitters to say yeah well, we're going to play in the spring um if they can, if the FCS as a whole subdivision can shift to the spring, then I feel like that's more likely to happen than kind of the hodgepodge of FBS that are still trying to make it work in the fall. Some aren't. Um, uh, FBS teams usually have more TV contracts to worry about than FCS schools. But on the flip side, uh, the one thing about FCS schools that might be hard to make it happen, which 
I don't even know how you start to plan for this is uh, the number of resources and kind of the people you would employ in your athletic department and the money that you have playing in the spring means they're going to be playing possibly during the end of basketball season if basketball happens and then in the run up or in the lead up to all of your spring sports uh, such as softball and track and field and golf and just being able to put on for some schools to, to manage all of those sports all at once might be too much to handle, but um, it might be worth trying because the alternative of not having a season at all might be, uh, might be too detrimental, uh, you know, monetarily. So, yeah, I think to answer your question, I think the FCS probably does have a better chance of playing in the spring than any whatever version of FBS football has decided to try the spring uh, for those reasons. Okay. Excellent. Well, I, th I think, uh, I think, I think we can just do a bubble in, in Pocatello or Moscow. Let's, let's just do it. I'll go to Moscow. <laughs> I will not go to Pocatello. Kibbe Dome, far greater than Holt Arena. Print it. They're, they're, liter they're literally the same building. <laughs> the the, the Kibbe Dome has... The Kibbe Dome has some like natural light coming in at the top on the ends. They have like some windows. Uh, Holt Arena is just kind of like a, a dungeon. Although I will say it is, it's just a big aircraft hangar. But um, I will say that I was I was kind of delightfully surprised by how much I enjoyed watching a football game there uh, two seasons ago. Um, Whereas when they were still trying to play basketball and Holt Arena was just Ugh. the worst experience of, of, it's like the worst sports experience that could exist. So uh, but that's, that's a whole nother aside about the arenas of the big sky that maybe we could revisit on another night. I think that's definitely got to be a segment later on sometime in the show, best and worst facilities in the conference. Glad to have that conversation. But <laughs> I wanted to ask, uh, so once the Big Sky announced that there would be no football in the fall, wasn't the Missouri Valley Conference pretty close behind on their announcement on that as well? Yeah, they. It was just a couple within a couple hours. They they said that they yeah. were going to postpone to the fall as well. And so, or to the postpone to the spring. Sorry. Yeah. So one of the points that you made in the second piece about this, where you interviewed President Mortensen, you talked about how Big Sky Commissioner Tom was was going to, and the, I think the presidents of the schools as well, were going to do their very best to lobby the other FCS conferences to come along with them to the spring and, and play a bit. Does, does that seem to be the case? If It feels like, I mean, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but it feels like if the Big Sky wants to play in the spring and the Missouri Valley Conference wants to play in the spring, many other conferences will come with because, I mean, I don't want to be, like hoity-toity but it feels like these are the these are the two powerhouse conferences in fcs football yeah no you're right i mean if if they want to play in the spring there's there's good reason for others to especially because you know certain at a certain point you reach a critical mass where you know it might be worth it to the ncaa or i don't i don't really know what considerations the ncaa would make in putting on a football championship in the fall but i mean if you have if you have the big hitters uh, and that's kind of going to be the thing I think for some conferences is, you know, well, is, is there going to be a, a playoff or not? Cause if there's not going to be a playoff, maybe it's, maybe we just need to, to, you know, get ready for fall 2021 
especially because there's, you know, one of the concerns is how do you put on a spring season and then turn around in the, in this, the fall on the same calendar year and play again. Um, so the, I think the playoff is going to be key to that is, is all those conferences coming together, going to the NCAA, which puts on the FCS postseason. They don't have really anything to do with the FBS postseason, the bowl system and the playoffs, uh, the college football playoff, but in FCS, they, it's their show. So if they can get the F, the NCAA to say, yeah, we'll have a postseason, then uh, I think they can get pretty much anybody on board. In fact, I, I was reading a report. There's been so many people reporting on this issue that I, it's hard to keep track of uh, <laughs> who's reporting what. But uh, I read something that the SWAC, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, um, which, uh, to those not familiar, those are tip generally uh, it's a conference of the historically uh, black colleges and universities, mm-hmm. and they have not been participating in the playoff recently. Yeah, that's um, right. they, they have the celebration th- bowl. Yeah, they get together with uh, the MIAC and they have the Celebration Bowl between their conference championships. Uh, well, I think the SWAC, I think I read uh, something that said if the, there's going to be a spring playoff that the SWAC wants in, and they might they might return to uh, uh, FCS playoff participation. They've, In fact, they've taken on a few members uh, from the MIAC. And, and so it, there's a lot of dynamics there. I think the key is the, the postseason and if they can put on a playoff. If the NCAA says, "Yeah, we'll we'll try it," then I think they can get enough conferences to to try to have a season of some kind in the spring. Jeffy, did, did you have another question for Brett? I do, I do. So, Brett, without you know, we all know that one of the big things for Weaver State is the FCS level is playing the money games. It is important to to play those unless you're unless you're Montana or North Dakota State. Um, so. Last week, I would have thought my question would have been, you know, what happens with to the athletic department without without the money coming in from that Wyoming game? Uh, now it's now I guess the question's twofold: one, what happens if there is no Wyoming game? And two, with the Mountain West postponing play till spring, is there a possibility that that still actually happens? Yeah, that and you. That's a good question because it brings up all of the variables that. I don't think anybody really knows because uh, one of the re- one of the reports, I think it was uh, it was an ESPN reporter uh, said there's a, a spring schedule model that's circulating in FCS that it basically involves eight conference games uh, only, and then uh, a 16 team playoff. Right now, the playoff is 24 teams, um, and then a 16 team playoff. Uh, starting sometime in like the second week of March and then like endings hopefully around Memorial Day. So, but that, see, that was, <laughs> that was reported before the Mountain West canceled and before, you know, while there was still the specter of, you know, well, maybe some of these FCS teams can play uh, one, a bye game in the fall and they'd be allowed to play one or two non-conference games to bring in that badly, sorely needed revenue. And, uh, and and make that happen. And now it, it seems like there's just not enough conferences that are going to participate in fall football um, because everyone that's left, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, uh, you know, the, the Pac-12 is not playing uh, non-conference games. I don't think the Big Ten e- is either. Can, can FCS schools reschedule and play? You know, I think the uh, Sun Belt and the American Athletic Conference are both allowing their teams to play non-conference games in the fall. 
can they get one of those on the schedule to, to any of those schools because of all the lost revenue from from losing March Madness that they even have money to pay those payouts right now uh, like <laughs> it's just it's this whole this whole sequence of dominoes that that uh, I think people are still trying to figure out um, obviously I think I think if there's any way to, to play a game like that you know and if, if it could be done safely and not not risk uh, just general athletic health or you know health due to the coronavirus that I'm sure Weber State would would like to make that happen I don't know how they could or what that would look like but I mean it's some of the games uh, I have to, to look this up here maybe I can look it up real quick but uh, I know the the Wyoming game the payout was going to be four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, four twenty-five. Um, and that's, I mean, that's not it's a big chunk. Like I, I don't, I can't tell you exactly what what Weber State's athletic budget looks like and what sort of percentage that represents. But um, I mean. Just in general, those those games are at the FCS level. Those are considered to be games that help fund the entire department uh, in some respects. So uh, it's it's definitely a big deal if that doesn't happen. Hopefully, there's games in the future. Like if let's say that they don't play at all, the 2020 season never gets played, but they can pick up in 2021. Weber State has six hundred thousand dollars on tap to come from Utah. So I don't know if they they can just make it that far. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's definitely going to be a rough go for a lot of schools if they they lose if they stack uh, losing a, a football buy game on top of losing March Madness revenue. Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be really tough for a lot of schools. Yeah. Well, the, the March Madness revenue, March Madness revenue is potentially twofold, right? They didn't play last March. And, and if, if things don't go well, they could maybe not be playing this March either. Like that's, those are the football and March Madness are the two, the two revenue <laughs> sources for, for, for schools at this level. That just seems terrible. I don't, I, I don't, maybe, maybe we could talk Wyoming into just meeting at like Evanston high school or something and having a, having a meet, meet in the middle and have a neutral site game. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's, I, I cannot even imagine being an athletic director right now and, and uh, along with school president, you know, trying to figure out all the concerns that you have to think about, you know, that there's all these people trying to consider what's, what's best for the players, uh, you know, exposure to the, to the virus, uh, mental health. It, it's a reality that the money matters and there's no way around it. And so there's, it's the, and those kind of feel like conflicting conversations uh, in a lot of ways. So, I can't imagine being the people who have to make the decisions to do that, which is why I, I, <laughs> there's a lot of people, you know, on social media that are calling school presidents involved in these decisions weak, <laughs> wussies or whatever, for, uh, you know, deciding that they have to postpone. Uh, but there's just so much, so much to take in and consider on these matters that, and it's unprecedented. Like none of us have even lived through anything like this before. So, yeah. And, and college sports as they exist now did not exist the last time the United States went through this. So there's really no, no playbook and no game plan. And like you mentioned, hopefully basketball, hopefully there's some sort of co- collaboration and, and leadership now that they saw kind of how this, how football is happening 
and every conference is just kind of making separate decisions, which, you know, is their right. But if we want March Madness to happen, perhaps there needs to be some, some plans being made uh, now to, to make sure that something can happen in a safe way. Definitely. So, Brett, uh, I wanted to wrap us up here, but before I do, I just want to ask a one really quick question, and that's simply, are seniors still going to be el- eligible in the spring? We plan to see a senior season from Rashid Shahid, among many others, and so I just wanted to ask that quickly. Will they still be eligible in the spring? Uh, yeah, I mean, nothing's been, I guess, explicitly said, but uh, the, we're still talking about the same academic year everyone who's a senior should still be eligible to play in the spring, you know, if they so choose. Um, I, I wouldn't imagine that a lot of them will want to give it up if they feel like they can do that safely. So uh, the, the real question becomes if, if there is no 2020 season at all, will players have the option to retain that eligibility? Like, yeah. like a lot of the spring sports did from, from this past spring, they were, uh, the NCAA opened up the option at least for schools to allow that. Um, so that would kind of be the real question is if it goes past this spring. Um, but as far as I know, it's the same academic year. So it would, it would make sense to me that they should be perfectly fine to play if there is in fact a season, uh, in the spring. Yeah, I think so too. And like you said, the question is whether or not there is something that happens in the spring. If not, then we'll have to assess that when we get there. But well, Brett, I, so. I, uh, sorry, I, one more question. I, well, I or thought I, I read a tweet earlier this evening that kind of struck me on this topic and that was, you know, okay, let's say there is no, no football in fall or spring, you know, the, the financial burden of the universities, if, if the players do retain their eligibility, like that's one more year of scholarship that has to be paid for, which is not a bad thing per se, but there's, there's just, there's a lot of money involved here with not a lot of money coming in. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I, I still would like to get to the bottom of how much quote unquote paying for scholarships is actual payment versus, uh, you know, functions of bookkeeping. Um, as far as like, does the university have to pay itself for tuition? Uh, you know, or aren't they just letting a student in for free? Um, but still in a football program or in any sports program, you know, there's, uh, there's other costs associated with that and cost of living or uh, cost of attendance, uh, stipends and things like that. And, that, and then again, that opens up a whole nother a whole nother line of decisions, uh, like we saw with spring sports. Is well, if you if seniors are allowed to retain eligibility, then what about incoming freshmen? You have to increase the number of scholarships that are allowed uh, to account for both. And then there's just this whole <laughs> it, the more the more sports that we stack on top of spring sports from last year to in making those decisions. You know, athletic, like you said, Dustin, athletic departments have more and more and more student athletes to uh, have on scholarship and, uh, you know, have resources for and all everything that's involved with that. So it just, you can see how quickly it it can become a more than just a headache for, for the athletic departments and the universities trying to figure all this out. um, the, The longer this goes on. Definitely. Well, Brett, like I said, I wanted to thank you for chatting through all the things that you found out uh, going through this process, chatting with the big sky and talking with President Mortensen about how it went and what things might what we might expect to see in the spring when hopefully football returns to Ogden. Now I want to transition to a segment we're calling Best of the Rest. I want to ask you two gentlemen, 
which, you know, last week, last time we recorded the show, we talked about the three big sky schools that had the worst colors or uniform combinations. Just <laughs> awful. And uh, that was a, that was a good time. That was a good time. But we thought, well, it would be unfair if we just left it at that. We need to go flip side of the coin. And so now we're calling it best of the rest. Which three big sky schools have the best colors or uniforms? But we did include this caveat you have to exclude weber state obviously this is a, a show about weber state it's easy to be a homer here it's a very homery environment so we're going to exclude weber state you cannot include them in your top three but i want you you both to think about it top three big sky schools with the best colors or uniforms ranked who wants to go first so i have a question real quick with uniforms are we just talking about football right now or uh, I think that you could go another direction. I think that you could go to hoops if that was something you want to do. If you are very, very uh, fond of a particular softball uniform, I think that's fine, too. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Chappie? I'm, I'm good with that. Leave it open. <laughs> yeah, let's leave it open. So, yeah, go ahead and uh, give me your give me your top three. Well, I'll start and I'll say that I'm very much glad that our other co-hosts are not present tonight because I would be derided. Most of the, most of the ones they did not like a couple of weeks ago are ones that I'm going to say that I like. So I'm very you, happy that it's you two gentlemen. Are you going to throw out Idaho State? Is that what's about to happen? It's potentially. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chappie, what do you got? What do you got? Okay, so number three, or number three is is SUU. And, and again, I, okay. I know I'm, people are going to be ta- say I'm terrible, whatever. I I like black. SUU for that that matte black helmet and the black or chrome logo that they put on that. It is sweet. It's good. They were one of the early adopters of the matte black helmet look, and I very much enjoy that. <laughs> black <laughs> and, and red is hard to screw up, right? It is, and it's and there's not four other teams with the same colors in the conference, right? And and they 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 do a very good job of branding SUU. The the Thunderbird logo is clean. Um, they've done a good job. So SU is my number three. My number two is the aforementioned Idaho State Bengals. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> the only reason that it is, is that they're like the, they're the only school and one of the few schools in the country that actually stay true to the animal, to the animal they represent, right? Like there's no purple wildcat. <laughs> There's no, like Vikings aren't green, <laughs> you know. There, there's Thunderbirds aren't red. Eagles aren't whatever terrible shade of red Eastern Washington is. Like, <laughs> so I I give and Vandals. I I guess Idaho stays true because I mean what is a Vandal? But um, you know, yeah, I I have to give Idaho State credit because number one they stayed true, but number two the the uniform combinations stay true to the Bengal as well. They they do a good job of, of, of doing that. Now, I, again, I know my co-host a couple of weeks ago really took shots at Idaho state and that's okay, but I think it's clean. <laughs> and right. number one, uh, people are going to hate me again. Uh, as much as we give Montana crap there, I, I like their look. I always have <laughs> the, the maroon look is very individual. I mean, what other team in the country has maroon, maybe Oklahoma. Is that, count as, as maroon um when you see montana you know you know exactly who it is because of the color because they keep their uniforms 
very, very clean and traditional looking. Uh, it always just says Montana on it. It's a very, it's a very individual look that they own. And, you know, even if you don't like the color, you have to appreciate uh, how much, you know, how much they, they remain true to themselves and keep it traditional. Hang on, hang on. I got to go. I got to go grab a bucket to throw up in real fast. <laughs> right back. What? Montana's number one? And, and what for is another, that, Chappie? And for another reason, too. Okay. The Grizzly, like, it is not an overused mascot in sports. Okay. There are not 10 other Grizzlies. <laughs> there's there's one, and it's in Montana. And, and, and that, I just, they, it plays well to what they're doing. So. All, all the more easy to hate. I, I, I don't know, man. I, you know, I got, I got, I got our producer in my ear here, and he says banned for three weeks for that take. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> and, and we all love to hate Montana, and we all love to hate their fans. But yeah, you asked, I delivered. That's that's what it is. <laughs> well, fair enough. What about you, Brett? Let's uh, let's uh, pivot over to you and see what your top three are. Well, first, since since I didn't participate in the worst, I do have to say that that I think Chappie is completely wrong about Southern Utah. <laughs> oh. um, uh, just because uh, they, they, everything goes for, I, I will agree that their, their Thunderbird logo and that kind of mark is pretty good. It's solid, but all their uniforms and stuff, they go, they go for like uh, kind of modern, uh, you know, the modern, like cutting edge kind of looks. Like I think it the, just makes the lightning bolt and stuff like that. Well, just like how they how they put together uniforms with, uh, you know, colors like all of their uniforms. They're they're just like it's like a color on the pants and a color on the top, and there's not much going on. They just look like every other team in the country. Mm. Um, but with that said, uh, so I've been thinking about football and basketball the most because that's just what I see the most. Uh, so I will say that uh, there are two teams that I like in football for kind of the same reason, um, and they are Montana and Idaho. What is going on here? <laughs> and for a lot of the same reasons that, that, that Chappie said with Montana, it's a clean, consistent look. Uh, and, and there's something about – the reason I said both of those is because of uh, – uh, I, for some reason, I really like metallic, like the metallic versions of color schemes, uh, teams that use like silver or like metallic gold. Um, so when, when Montana goes silver, maroon, silver, like at home, uh, that's, that's a pretty top notch look. It really is, uh, for football. Um, and it's, it's kind of the same thing goes with Idaho. I like the, the gold helmet with the gold pants. And then you switch in a, a, a white top or a black top. Uh, I just think it's a, a, a clean, like classic look, um, especially because a lot of a lot of teams have gone away from. Like, if you watch Notre Dame play football, their pants aren't gold anymore. They're like they're like earth. It's like an earth tone, uh, and that's supposed to be one of Notre Dame's things, right? It's the gold, and their helmets are gold, but their pants are like tan. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I mean Notre Dame. Notre Dame is just trash all over. I mean, <laughs> I mean, oh, 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 sorry, sorry. I, I need to apologize to our producer. Uh, he's he's upset now. But uh, so wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to so, I, I, I want to ask. So then, 
uh, what was the ranking there? So Montana three, Idaho two. Uh, how'd that work out? I which, which, I, you have I don't know if I was giving it a rank, but uh, maybe I should have. Um, I'd honest. Okay, so I'll say Idaho is number one because oh, I they, they they match they match the same color scheme as my alma mater my high school alma mater wore while i was in high school Dang right. uh which is black and metallic gold yes. that school has now gone to just straight up black and yellow which also is awesome but um the, the other one has to go to high school brett i have to agree wholeheartedly <laughs> what a great place to go to high school in weaver county uh, don't know? unless you play the team to the uh, north <laughs> where i went to school <laughs> all i know is that my uh my junior year we won the shield back and it was like the, the biggest the biggest thing ever uh so montana I, I guess montana is number two um and then the other two that i like and i'll say i like one better for football and one better for basketball is northern colorado and northern arizona uh, they both okay. recently had rebrands in the last few years that I think were actually really well done, um, especially Northern Arizona's. Um, their logo, I, their new logo is really cool, man. I think it's it super is. well done. They've got a few sets there the, the, in, in the axe shape and all that. Uh, I think Northern Colorado's uniforms look better on the football field, uh, just as far as kind of some of the combinations they put together and how they use like the blue and yellow stripes on like pants and stuff. Um, well, I don't like Northern Arizona's football uniforms as much, but I, lo- I like their basketball uniforms uh, with, with kind of their new branding and stuff. Um, and I it's think a, it's a bright yellow, isn't it? They do have a bright yellow in there. Uh, it's, it's pretty bright, but um, I, th- I think overall, when I think about basketball too, I think, uh, until recently, when when Montana had that uniform with like the the Grizz word mark on the front, it was just that Grizz and then the number below it. I thought that was backwards from what Montana needed to be doing. But uh, just consistently, I think those are the teams that I think have pretty solid looks uh, ac- across the conference that that are somewhat unique and don't just look like everyone else. So I think those would be my answers for. Uh, for my top, my top looks. Well, I think those are good ones. And I, I gotta say, uh, Flagstaff in general intrigues me. I've got it on my list to, if we have a, if everything goes back to normal in 2021, uh, Weber state will play Northern Arizona in Flagstaff. And I plan to go down there to take in the full experience. Cause I hear it's really cool down there, but thank you guys both well, for giving your op takes. It's, uh, I obviously disagree with some of them, you know, but it wouldn't be a Weaver state weekly podcast if somebody wasn't disagreeing with Chappie. So, but I have one last thing before we wrap up the segment and we wrap up the show guys. I wanted to ask, we, we excluded Weaver state from our best. And of course this is a podcast about Weaver state sports. So briefly, very briefly, I want you to tell me which Weaver state jerseys are tops in any sport any decade, in your opinion, Chappie, you want to go first? Really br- briefly, tell me which ones. It's I'm going I'm to take Brett's. I know it, but it's okay. <laughs> the flying, the flying W. Flying, <laughs> the flying W jerseys. Okay. The, the flying W Brett, jerseys what do you got? are are money. They are money. 
Brett, what about you? Uh, so just riffing off of that, the, I really, I like the, the early nineties football look with the flying W on the helmet, but the helmet was white and I had the double stripe up the middle and, uh, then they went white, purple, white. Anyway, uh, if that's not my choice, then, uh, Probably like the Bruce Collins era of Weber State basketball uniforms. There's just something about the simplicity. Uh, maybe it's maybe you need the guys to wear like the long socks with like the double stripe at the top. But there's something about the simplicity that, that is just super awesome. And then honorable mention to the uh, ugly uh, 1999 black Weber State basketball uniforms. Uh, they should be ugly, but they're not because of... Uh, <laughs> the memories associated with them. So I think those would be honorable mention on my list because I want to see them used as a throwback at some point. Those are sort of like with the, uh, it's not cursive script on the front, but uh, it's kind of funky. It's that 90s script. Is, are those the ones I'm thinking of here? Yeah, it's like, it's like a scraggly, not quite cursive. And then uh, the trim on like the, the neck and the around the arms is like, a series somehow it's a series of very many purple and white triangles uh yeah they're they're like kind of not great but also awesome at the same time well i mean when you beat north carolina in the first round in those jerseys they become instant classics so i can't blame you for picking oh you you, both for your don't make me talk about that that tournament man don't make me do it they were (laughs) they were they were uh a bucket away from the sweet 16 and so playing true. Gonzaga. So true. That was the year that Gonzaga became Gonzaga, and it could have been Weber State right there with them. So, Like I said, guys, great takes on best of the rest. Appreciate those. <laughs> um, upcoming games and events? Well, actually, there are none because everything's freaking canceled. So I did want to shout out one thing. You know, we talked a lot about jerseys here in that last segment. So I was informed that the Wildcat store will be doing 30% off until August 27th. And if you didn't know, now you do. They have these great Damian Lillard jerseys down there for a hundred bucks, and now they'll be seventy bucks. So think about getting yourself one because they are hot, and I really, really want one. So take advantage. Uh, wrapping this up, uh, you can email us at weberstateweekly at gmail.com. You have an idea for a segment, you want to talk about something, you have some feedback to give. That's the place to do it. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com/weberstateweekly. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Weber State Weekly. And, um, of course, visit our website, WeberStateWeekly.com. That's a place where you can um, look up some of our hopefully to be coming, soon to come blog posts about Weber State sports and what's happening on campus. In addition, uh, you can listen to the show there if you are not listening on a podcast app for some reason. And you can find out a little bit more about us on our About page. Uh, our producer, Dan, has a particularly great bio that I recommend you checking out. It's fantastic. But um, with that, uh, we'll wrap up the show. And we don't have a third person this week, so we can't do the great, great, great. So I guess I'll get in on that. So what we do at the end of the show, I guess we should have explained this to you earlier, Brett. At the end of the show, I say Weber State, Weber State. And then our, our guests say great, great, great individually for the third. But I'll hop in. So with that. I'll say Weber State, Weber State, Chappie. Great. 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 Oh! <laughs>